Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the Prime Minister defends the government's decision to not immediately pursue anyone who fraudulently collects financial help during the pandemic. If we had asked the public service to perform background checks on everyone applying for the CERB, we'd still be waiting to get those checks out. And people needed that money. Now they needed that money last month when we delivered it. How much of a concern is a second wave of infections as some provinces continue to reopen services and reduce restrictions? It's a concern for every everyone out there. Uh, we have to stay vigilant. We have to continue following the protocols the Chief Medical Officer has set forward. But absolutely. But the, the good news is, there's always, there's always some good news, uh, we're ready. We're ready. Our hospitals are, are ready. The system is ready. And the government says the reopening of national parks and historic sites is not an invitation for Canadians to start traveling. Go to the parks that are nearby you and experience that. Use that as part of an appropriate way to think about creating more space for people as we move towards spring and summer to be able to physically distance. But we are not encouraging um, travel beyond the local area. It's Friday, May 15th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by HuffPost Canada's Ottawa Bureau Chief and the host of the follow-up podcast, Althea Raj. Good morning, Althea. Good morning, Mark. So the Prime Minister was asked questions yesterday about a message that appeared to come from the government that they won't immediately go after people who are fraudulently collecting benefits from the government during the coronavirus pandemic. He's not saying they won't go after them eventually. They just won't do it immediately. Is that what we're hearing from the government? Yeah. In fact, I would say that we're even hearing uh, more conflicting information in the sense that the National Post uh, for a few days now has been reporting that um, staff have been given memos that basically say turn a blind eye to people who may be um, fraudulently um inaccurately um, applying for the CERB, um, even though they don't technically qualify, for example, if they were fired for cause or if they quit their job voluntarily. Um, and so it it is interesting um, that the government hasn't been, I would say, very transparent about who should be applying for CERB and who should not be applying for CERB. It's something else I think to say that listen like our priority is to get money out of the door quickly to those who need it and if it means that a few bad apple will get access to money we will deal with that later it's quite something else I think to tell people hey even though you probably think this is broad just go ahead and process it um but that seems to be what we're hearing from the liberals uh that said I will say that Carla Coltro the minister is basically responsible for the CRB um, did say on CBC on Wednesday that the numbers, the 200,000 uh, likely fraudulent claims, that that number was uh, inaccurate and that is nowhere near the numbers that they think that they have. All right, let's talk about the reopening of provincial economies. Ontario made some announcements yesterday about allowing more stores to open, allowing some workplaces to reopen. Uh, They seem to be heading in a certain direction with some caution and with all kinds of guidelines in place. Uh, What do you think about some of the moves that are being made by Ontario and other provinces and also the risk that that could lead to a second wave of the pandemic? Yeah, I think the message that we're hearing basically this week is that you need to be very 
careful and attentive uh, about the rules in your local jurisdictions because they could vary quite differently. Um, for example, you mentioned Ontario reopening uh, some places like dog grooming surgeries. You can go play tennis and golf. Um, and at the same time, Quebec is saying uh, you are not, if you live in Montreal, children are not going to be going to school until September. Uh, if that possibly, who knows? I will say personally, Mark, I heard the Ontario announcement and I wondered if have I been operating illegally? Um, you know, I went to the bike store and did curbside pickup. I went to the bookstore and did curbside pickup. I did. I went to the flower shop and did curbside pickup. Was, was I not supposed to be doing that? Um, perhaps not. Perhaps I'm admitting to something that was this is not right. But I think a lot of businesses were trying to. Uh, keep the lights on and keep staff employed and believe that they were operating within the rules. So um, it's uh, interesting to see a reopening, maybe a, uh, an acceptance of practices that were already happening. What we have seen in Ontario is the province is being quite careful. What we've seen everywhere, though, is officials say we are making baby steps and be aware that if the numbers spike, and we see a trend going in the wrong direction that we will not hesitate to, uh, you know, let those gains <laughs> go by the wayside and reimpose a tougher lockdown. So, um, you know, it's an uh, optimistic sign when you look at the curve, uh, but we're not out of the woods yet. Yeah, and everybody will be watching very closely. Now, you just said we're not out of the woods yet. Uh, we're not going into the woods yet either, even though national parks are soon going to be reopened in this country. Nice Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty proud of that one. Um, <laughs> so the government is reopening national parks in the near future, but they're also saying don't travel great distances to go to them. So uh, they want to make sure that this is not an invitation for Canadians to get in their cars and drive halfway across the country to go to a beautiful setting. That's not what they're looking for here. No, and in fact, uh, with the regulations being what they are, if you do venture into another province, you could find yourself uh, being told you need to quarantine uh, before you get to go visit the nice place you wanted to take pictures of for your Instagram account. Um a nice positive step. I think a lot of people are aching to get outside and have breathe in some fresh air. And a lot of people's obviously their travel plans and vacation plans for the summer are um, having to be readjusted. Nobody's probably going to be jumping on airplanes anytime soon and going to foreign destinations. So uh, perhaps if you live close to a national park or a national historic site, you will take the opportunity to um, visit it and learn more about your country. Um, but I think that, you know, what we're likely to see, and as we've seen, like, even just, you know, think about last weekend in Vancouver at Stanley Park, there were, you know, crowds of people who were clearly not respecting social distancing guidelines. Um, uh, I feel like there is a sanction coming from government officials from above just shortly, because I think it will be hard when, you know, you give people an opening, everybody um, is going to rush out to take advantage of it if they can. And so in some places, it may not be um, physically possible to socially distance. But in others, we've got lots of remote places in this country. Um, it might be. All right, let's turn to the conservative leadership race because there's an important milestone today. It's a deadline for signing up members who will be eligible to vote in the mail-in ballot to uh, decide on the next leader of Her Majesty's official opposition in this country. Um, so we're going to see 
uh, a kind of a last-minute scramble, I'm sure, to sign up members, and soon some numbers from the different campaigns on where they stand, right? Well, so Peter McKay's camp has told me that they plan to publish or release uh, their membership sales either later tonight or tomorrow morning. Uh, Aaron Tools camp uh, has uh, not said that they are going to be doing that. Um, the blitz certainly has been happening over the past week. Um, it may be a little bit late today, but I'm sure we'll see some efforts to try to sell as many memberships um, as the leadership candidates can. It's really interesting to note, uh, I would say, that you know it's May 15th, and the ballots don't have to be back into Conservative Party headquarters until August 21st. Why is the membership cut off so early? And I know a lot of conservatives have complained to me, this makes no sense. You know, the party hasn't even had a debate yet. Why are they uh, declining to have extra money in the party fold? Because, of course, uh, memberships cost something, and the party can make a little bit more money if they extend the deadline. Um, but both camps, the McKay and the O'Toole, who are basically the presumed front runners in this contest, uh, seem to have no problems with this uh, early deadline. Um, they both think that they have um, sold a lot of memberships. Uh, in fact, McKay's camp says that they had sold more memberships than any other conservative leadership candidate in the party's history. So we will see if that number is accurate. Um, and if there, if if that is accurate, if uh, Mr. McKay can win on the first round um, come late August, maybe early September, I mean, who knows? Yeah. Um, but and that's... Uh, it, it, it's interesting. I mean, to me, the takeaway is I think this contest has, got, has gone uh, on without Canadians taking really any interest or paying any attention. The fact that there hasn't been any debate, I know we're all socially distancing, but it is quite interesting that you would cap off membership without the public having had a chance to even look at what's on offer on the Conservative Party, thinking that, you know, whoever leaves the Conservatives could potentially be the next Prime Minister of this country. There's obviously a, a lot still to be learned about how the race is going, but it enters into a new phase after this, once the memberships are all sold, because then it's just a finite number of people who can decide, and and it's about campaigning to those people in obviously different ways from a normal leadership campaign since everyone is in lockdown. I Actually, I would argue, Mark, that nothing will change, because the parties, the party leadership candidates have made no effort really to reach beyond the existing base. They're tapping uh, networks and they're getting you know people who know people to call people and get memberships, but they've basically been speaking to you know, members and former members, and that is going to continue. They're going to hold Zoom calls. They're going to hold digital you know, town halls. They're going to try to get their names known, but, but they're basically fishing from the same pool that they've been fishing from for the past two months. All right, Althea. Yeah, great Great to have your comments yeah. on all of this. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Mark. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. That's Althea Raj, HuffPost Canada's Ottawa Bureau Chief. If we have asked the public service to perform background checks on everyone applying for the CERB, we'd still be waiting to get those checks out. And people needed that money. Now they needed that money last month when we delivered. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues it's better to get money out now and clean up later. The Star writes, Everyone knew some people would try to cheat the system. But just imagine if all those people who are out of work 
had to go through a cumbersome qualification process to weed out the cheats. They'd still be waiting for their money. The government must certainly make sure it recovers that money through the tax system in the months ahead, but far better to make some mistakes now than to fall short when the need is greatest. In the Globe and Mail, Andrew Coyne argues that while it may be too soon to panic over the deficit, perhaps we can at least worry. Coyne writes, Even as federal finances appear to be sliding off a cliff, the air is thick with assurances that there is nothing to worry about. But the economy is not going to bounce back, or not all the way. Reopening the economy will be tentative, haphazard, and slow. Maybe that's not worth panicking about, but I've a good mind to at least worry. At globalnews.ca, Matthew Fisher asks if Justin Trudeau will get tougher on China. Fisher writes, Until Wednesday, the Prime Minister would not publicly consider the question of whether China was dishonest about COVID-19. Why the change? It undoubtedly had to do with a poll, but found that more than 85% of Canadians believe China lied about what it knew. Justin Trudeau has not yet shown any inclination to be part of a group of nations that has less to do with China, but as the poll makes plain, Canadians want their government to radically alter its thinking. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Senate will be convened today for a special sitting to pass the government's latest piece of emergency legislation. Here's CPAC's Martin Stringer. Mark, the Senate will begin sitting at 11 a.m. this morning, convened by the Speaker of the Senate, to consider the government's bill amending the Canadian Dairy Commission Act. The bill was passed by the House of Commons on Wednesday, and it's the only legislation necessary for the government's $252 million aid package aimed at Canada's farmers. This particular legislation is necessary to grant the Dairy Commission $200 million more in borrowing powers. This would give the Commission more money to buy and store dairy farmers' excess milk in the form of butter and cheese. The point of the whole exercise is to prevent farmers from taking a loss in these times. They've already been forced on several occasions to dump their milk, all because of reduced demand caused by the COVID-19 crisis. The Senate will go through all three readings of the bill, including sitting as a committee of the whole, during which time they will hear from Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bibeau. The proceedings are expected to finish by this afternoon, and after the bill is passed all three stages, it will be sent off for royal assent. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will speak with the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Before chairing the Cabinet meeting, he will then speak with the media to provide an update on the coronavirus situation. Conservative leader Andrew Scheer will hold a news conference to discuss the government's response to COVID-19, and Governor-General Julie Payette will host a virtual conversation with Olympic gold medalist Haley Wickenheiser. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, May 15th. Tune in to CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day and weekend for continuing coverage of the coronavirus crisis. Our podcast returns Tuesday morning. Have a great long weekend.